What's going on? Hey, how you doing? Good. Yeah, we're all good. So welcome to another special edition of the uh, Patriots, Lakers, Dodgers, and Rams podcast. I'm your host, Lorenzo Antonio. Um, Today we're going to talk about the Monday night football preview between the Patriots and the Bills. And then we're also going to talk about the World Series and recap what what happened in the first two games and what's going to happen in the next three games of the series. So first off, let's start off with the World Series. And um, what were your thoughts on games one and two? Well, I know we both talked about this on the last episode leading up to games one and two, and I fully expected the teams to split the two games. I thought the Dodgers came in with an immensely talented team, more so than their record would have indicated from the regular season. And the Red Sox, having watched them all season, I know they have their flaws, but they've been playing well. And I expected each team to take one game, but after the Red Sox performance in the first game against the Dodgers, there was no way I saw them losing the second game. And and David Price was phenomenal again, continuing to turn around his October narrative. Um, The two-out hitting has continued. The Red Sox have scored now over 50% of their runs with two outs, and that was especially evident in game two. And then Alex Kaur has just been pushing all the right buttons, going to the bullpen at the right time. I love what they've been doing with Nathan Evaldi this series, putting him in in the eighth inning of games, and then even pinch-hitting Nunez. You would have expected Nunez to start game one, given the lefty-righty matchup, but they went with Devers. Devers did drive in a run during his stint on the field, and Cora told Nunez, he's like, you know, be ready. I may need you to hit. And Nunez came in and delivered when the Red Sox needed it most. So just... The Red Sox continuing to do everything that they've been doing right, and that was the big question mark for me. Could the bullpen keep it up? Could David Price keep it up? Could they continue to hit with two outs? Because all those things are very hard to do and very hard to keep coming together, but they've been able to continue doing it. Hitting with two outs is hard for each team, but I think the Dodgers coming into this year, I totally expect all three wins for the Dodgers at home to so that they can have the momentum on their side. They don't want to go down 3-0, in my perspective, because I think Walker Buehler has a great chance in quieting this Red Sox-talented lineup. And and, um, I also think that games one and two, the Dodgers should have had game two, but if it weren't for that go-ahead hit in the bottom of the fifth and pulling Ryu out early. I mean, Dave, everybody's been criticizing Dave Roberts that he's been going through the analytics instead of leaving your pitcher in and, getting your bullpen at the right time. Alex Cora seems to be doing that, but Dave Roberts is all about analytics. But mm-hmm. I think I think the Dodgers changed that narrative today, and I expect us to get the next three games so that we could force a game seven. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I would definitely expect Walker Bueller to have a good game tonight and then to leave him in for more than, than four or five innings if he does well. And like you said, Alex Cora has been – employing that similar strategy and better results for the Red Sox so far. And I think that's where David Roberts has drawn the criticism is that the Dodgers bullpen hasn't done as well in the postseason. Or I know they've probably done well getting to this point, but in the last two games from what I've seen from them, they may have been better off sticking with Kershaw or Ryu. Yeah, but I think getting Madsen in to face the righty, Martinez or somebody, uh, or Bogarts, that wasn't good because I thought Ryu could have just finished off that that lineup so that he could have just gone to the bullpen after. But I thought the Dodgers were almost 
there in beating the Red Sox in that series. But I think heading into tonight, I think the crowd at Dodger Stadium is going to be very loud. And I think the Dodgers escaped from the cold, and now the Red Sox are going to come into this game very sweaty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I could see I could see the Dodgers taking this game. I still think, from my perspective, I, I can't see the Red Sox losing this series after how good they've looked in the first few games. I think they could end up winning in five or six games, maybe possibly seven. But I, I think tonight, out of all matchups, is one that I could see the Dodgers winning just because Rick Porcello is prone to giving up the long ball. I could see Turner or Bellinger or Puig or Machado just having a field day with him. And Walker Bueller has been one of the Dodgers' best pitchers thus far. So it, it sets up ideally for the Dodgers to take this game. I could agree with that, but I, in my perspective, I do believe the Dodgers still win this series in seven and then shock the Spenway crowd in game seven of the World Series because I do believe that we're, the Dodgers are going to send this series back to Fenway Park next week. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I, I could see it definitely coming back, um, whether it be for a game six or seven. Um, but the thing that I'm interested to see with the Red Sox over the next three days is how they hold up against the Dodgers because thus far in the postseason, they've been road warriors pretty much. They 2-0 and against the Yankees and then 3-0 and against the Astros on the road. So they come in with a 5-0 and mark on the road and hopefully they can keep it up. I think that the Red Sox are going to get their road winning streak in the playoffs snapped today. Um, I do think that I know that Nathan, I credit Nathan Evaldi for uh, doing a good job in the first two games, even though I know he was a Dodger in the past, but I mean, he's starting against Rich Omar. So I think, I think, I think tonight's matchup is going to be good. And then you get Rich Hill and Nathan Evaldi tomorrow. And then I want to see a, a rematch of game one when Kershaw goes up against Chris Sale. And I do think the Dodgers can get to Chris Sale. Yes, absolutely. I think, that was one positive, I think, if you're a Dodgers fan, to take away from the first two games of the series is that you were able to hit off Chris Sale pretty well. Score three runs, only had him go four innings, 91 pitches. Granted, he did have seven Ks, but the Dodgers did get to him a little more than other teams have in the past. So that's the biggest positive, if I were a Dodgers fan, that I would have taken away from the first few games. That's I agree with that. I mean, Chris Sale was looking like he was locked in, but he got taken out and after like the fifth inning or something. But um, I think that the uh, I think heading into tonight, I do believe that this is it's going to be a good matchup. But I do think Rick Parcello is not going to pitch that well tonight. I know he's going to be lined up to pitch Game Seven of the World Series if there since I expect one to be, expect to be a Game Seven. I, yeah, and, I think it's going to be Rick Porcello and Walker Bueller in Game 7. Absolutely, and depending on how tonight and the rest of the series shake out, maybe what they end up doing is try to go with Nathan Avaldi in Game 7 if it gets that far. I know he'd be pitching Game 4, so he'd have one less day rest than Porcello, but maybe if Porcello went out there and didn't do well tonight and potentially even in a loss tomorrow, Nathan Avaldi does well, they may try to go with him in Game 7 because he... He has been probably the better pitcher for this team, and I know Porcello's been a longer-tenured member of the team, and I'm just excited to see what he can do tonight. Around Boston, we were saying the whole time, Rick Porcello has to pitch the first game in a National League park if we make the World Series just because he's been a quietly very good hitter this year. 
I haven't seen him hit this year, but this is my first time taking a look at Rick Porcello. I know he has really good stuff, but I also think for the bullpen to get to Craig Kimbrell, I think you got to go with Barnes and Kelly to get to Kimbrell. Yes, absolutely. And it, it'll be interesting to see what the Red Sox do in games three and four where they won't have Avaldi and or Porcello to be that eighth inning guy. And granted, the rest of the bullpen has looked good at this point. Joe Kelly has really turned it around from where he was coming into the postseason. But yeah, him, Matt Barnes, even Ryan Brazier is a guy who I think has done pretty well, even though he did give up a run in game one. But the, the bullpen has looked so much better than I'd expected coming in to the postseason even. Um, and now Craig Kimbrell has seemed to figured it out since he got knocked around a little bit earlier on. I also predicted the lineup today for the Dodgers against Rick Porcello. I know Jock Peterson's going to lead off, then Max Muncy will hit after him, then Justin Turner, then Cody Bellinger, then Manny Machado, Yasiel Puig, Kike Hernandez. I don't expect Grandal to start because his defense in the playoffs has been shaky. That's why I'm going to stick with Austin Barnes doing the catching mm-hmm. today. And then uh, Bueller bats ninth. And I do think if you look at the Red Sox lineup today, I think Mookie Betts is going to start at second base today, putting J.D. Martinez in right field. Yeah, I mean, that's what we've been talking about around here, and it seems like a good option because you can't have J.D.'s bat out of the lineup. But I believe Alex Cora did come out this morning and say that Mookie was not going to play second base. Maybe that's just gamesmanship. Uh, Maybe not. I've heard some talk about him playing third base. I don't quite get that. Um, Maybe even benching Jackie Bradley and moving Mookie to center. There's certainly a lot of options they could go with, but I can't see a scenario in which they leave JD on the bench unless his ankle isn't fully healthy from rolling it a little bit in game one uh, and he's not able to go in the outfield. We'll see. I do. Let's see tonight, see how he's feeling, but maybe just for now, if the Red Sox want to be cautious with JD Martinez, maybe just stick him to a uh, pinch hit roll for game three and then maybe put him in the outfield uh, tomorrow with Rich Hill going tomorrow, which yeah, I'm thinking. That certainly has potential. The um, three options on here that I'm looking at just from an article now were bench Jackie Bradley, bench JD, or move Mookie to second base. And I think second base could be the best scenario because Mookie did come up as a second baseman, and it's tough to take his glove out of right field, but it's equally as tough to take JD's bat out of the lineup. So Cora has definitely a tough decision in front of him, but um, so far he, he's pushed all the right buttons thus far, and I, I hope he's able to keep doing that tonight. I do think – I think tonight with the right-hander on the mound, you don't start J.D. tonight. I think J.D. will go into right field for games four and five. I think Mookie Betts is in right field today, and then I do think Ian Kinsler will stay at second base. And mm-hmm. then Mitch Moreland's definitely in the lineup today at first, and then – Devers at third and Bogars is short. That's a given. And uh, or maybe you put Brock Holt at second base instead of being Kinsler. Yeah, maybe matchup wise, Holt hasn't gotten his moment in the World Series yet, but he's been arguably a better hitter than Kinsler in the postseason thus far. I know Kinsler had a base knock earlier um, on in Game Two, but I'd like to see what Holt's able to do. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how they move around the lineup if. JD's out because if you have Moreland in at first, then you're missing some serious power because Steve Pierce and JD have been your three, four hitters all postseason, and now you're missing both of them from the lineup. So maybe you move up Devers and Bogarts and have them hit three and four. But 
it'll be interesting to see. And if they did that, they'd certainly have some options off the bench too. I think the lineup today, I think Betts leads off and then Benintendi hits second. And then I think Bogarts hits third. And I think, uh, I think the cleanup hitter today will be, uh, Raphael Devers, because I'm trying to go left, right, left, right. Because I yeah. think right, because I, I predict Betts is leading off. Then I think Benatendi's going to hit after him. Then Bogarts. Then you go Devers. Then after Devers, then it will be uh, Brock Holt hitting fifth. Mm-hmm. And then hitting sixth will be. Uh, Could see Moreland there. Mitch Moreland hitting sixth. And then hitting seventh will be Jackie Bradley Jr. And then I think who's going to – and then batting eighth, I think who's going to catch Rick Porcello today will be Blake Swihart. Mm-hmm. And, and then Porcello back ninth and on the mound because I don't see Sandy Leon in the lineup today. Yeah, and that may be something the Red Sox have to look into at the catcher position because I believe Sandy has been Rick Porcello's catcher this year. But if you're missing so much offense from that lineup – having J.D. and having Steve Pierce on the bench, maybe you do consider going to a guy like Blake Swihart. Or more likely, maybe Christian Vasquez, who doesn't have the offensive upside of Blake Swihart, but it seems that the Red Sox have been reluctant thus far to play Blake Swihart at catcher. Yeah, that's why I'm predicting tonight. I predicted one through seven. I think I kind of want to change that up a little bit. I would put Mm -hmm. Leon seventh, and then I put Bradley Jr. eighth. Okay. And then one through six remains the same according to me, with Betts and uh, Benintendi and Bogarts and, uh, and, uh, and Devers and, uh, and Holt and Moreland. But I think I want to put Mitch Moreland hitting fifth ahead of uh, Holt. Okay. Yeah, I can see that being a potential lineup. And then just pulling up here, I know I was talking about Rick Porcello at the plate this year, and I didn't have exact numbers, but he's got three hits and seven at-bats, including two doubles, one that I remember, he was facing Max Scherzer in D.C. around like the 4th of July, and uh, he came up with the bases loaded. They moved the outfield in for him, and he hit it over the outfielder's heads for a three-run double. So he's, he's shown a little bit of pop, a little more than you'd expect from a, an American League pitcher, and I hope he's able to keep up his hitting streak tonight. <laughs> and I think um, how I could see Alex Carr approaching the bench, if the Dodgers make a bullpen, make a, a, a pitching change in the seventh or eighth inning. Maybe you pinch hit Mitch Moreland for when it's a lefty, and then you pinch hit Eduardo Nunez for Brock Holt, maybe, or Ian Kinsler. Yeah, definitely. I think you're going to see a lot of um, subs like that, especially if the Dodgers do get into lefties in their bullpen. Um, you should definitely see J.D. at some point. And- J.D.'s not going to – I don't think J.D.'s going to be a defensive replacement. I just think J.D. Martinez tonight – I don't expect him in the lineup tonight. I think J.D. Martinez is going to just come off the bench to pinch hit. Yes, absolutely. I think they could pinch hit for him. And then if you don't want to stick him in the field, maybe you put – I don't even know who you put out there. Maybe you bring in Kinsler and you move Brock Holt to the outfield because Brock Holt's played um, a little bit out there. Or actually you're keeping all three outfielders. So depending who J.D. pinch hits for, you can always put in a defensive replacement, whether it was for the pitcher or for – um, even a catcher and just sticking a different catcher in there. I think Blake Swihart will catch Rivoldi tomorrow. It would be interesting. I could, I would, would at least say I could see Blake Swihart getting pinch hit at bats in these games. 
I meant tomorrow. I meant tomorrow. I think he's he'll he'll catch tomorrow. Oh yeah, I could see that happening. But I guess what I meant was if it doesn't, at least I think you'll see him in this series in some form or another. And then I do think Leon will catch Game Five and he'll catch Chris Sale. But I do see Sandy Leon catching Rick Porcello today. Yes, I I believe Sandy has been the go to guy all year for Rick Porcello. Um, when Vasquez caught Porcello last round, it was the first time Vasquez had caught him in over a year. So, um, with the whole focus on catchers' ERAs and all the different catching statistics, I think you'll you'll see them go with Sandy tonight, like you said. Yeah, I think so. Because Christian Vasquez has been the starting catcher for the Red Sox this year. Sandy Leone has been getting a share amount of starts. Sandy Leone, what side is he better off hitting since he's a switch hitter, from the right side or from the left side? Uh, I almost couldn't tell you. I know he's he hit like 150 this season. Um, I want to say – I'll check his splits right now, but I want to say he's better from the left-hand side of the plate. Uh, let's see if they have any splits here. Uh, he's a switch hitter, but he's, he pretty, is a, he's a pretty good hitter. He – he started out like when he first came to the Red Sox, he started out hitting pretty well. Um, and it, it fell off a little bit this year, but I mean, his defense is still phenomenal. And just looking here, it looks like he hit better off of righties this year. So he, they must like him more in left-handed situation, which would work tonight, even though, Saying he hit better against them is saying that he hit 187. Okay. I, I also don't rule out Yasmani Grandel starting at catcher for one of the series. I do believe he could, he'll start tomorrow against Nathan Evaldi so that we can get some more offense. But I do, but I'm not really happy with Grandel's production this postseason and defensively. I don't know what the problem is that he has defensively. It's because I know that he, he can't, he can't, uh, he doesn't pay attention to where the ball is, wherever he plays where he wants the ball, but sometimes it gets past his glove. That's why he. I don't see him starting today. I still stick with Austin Barnes. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. I'd stick with Barnes, especially matchup-wise, just because you're going against this Red Sox team that has, despite not having much offensive production out of the catcher, they have arguably two of the best defensive catchers in the league. And if you put in, if you keep Barnes in, you at least limit the damage that you're doing in that situation. Oh, yeah, because he knows how to block block balls and all that. But I, this is going to be the first time Alex Cara is going to be returning to Dodger Stadium as a coach because I remember seeing Alex Cara as a player for the Dodgers. And when I first became a fan of the Dodgers, I saw Alex Cara play, and then I saw him play with the Indians. I saw him play with the Red Sox. I didn't think he was that great of a player, but I know he is a great manager. And yeah. potentially – I do expect him to be the American League Manager of the Year. Yes, I I hope so. I think coming into September, he was kind of a favorite. But now I feel like people are just going to Kevin Cash just because the Rays were doing so poorly. Um, and he turned them around with the innovative bullpen day stuff. And even Bob Melvin from the Athletics, being that they had the lowest payroll and were able to make the wild card game. But I think Alex Cora definitely deserves consideration because it's not too often that you inherit a 93 win team and manage to do 15 games better than that. That's why I think uh, 
Alex Cora is my pick for American League Manager of the Year. And on the National League side, I picked Dave Roberts. Yeah, I think Roberts has done a phenomenal job. The National League, it'll be interesting just because there were so many, I don't want to call them surprise playoff teams, but whether you see Atlanta or the Phillies being a year ahead of schedule and doing much better than people expected. And for better or for worse, I feel like the voters always happen to give it to that manager of a team who shouldn't have made the playoffs that did versus a team that was already projected to be really good and even exceeded those expectations, which I feel like both the Dodgers and Red Sox kind of fit into that category and that that may hurt their managers in the voting, but I I think both are pretty deserving of it. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean, I think so. We'll get to the, to our keys before we end this for the, for the Dodgers Red Sox team. Now let's move on to football. Talk about the Patriots against the Buffalo Bills. Um, I think this is going to be an easy game for the Patriots because the Bills obviously have a quarterback carousel issue due to Josh Allen being hurt. Derek Anderson might not start. So it might be the Nathan Peterman show again, but I don't know. But, you know, I think the Bills are a mess at the quarterback position right now. It's because if it's without Josh Allen. Yes, they they need to put Josh Allen back at quarterback when he's healthy. And, and you've seen how they've struggled without him. And, yeah, he's made rookie mistakes when he's been on the field, but he hasn't been – he hasn't had much help around him. And you know – that he is the answer, or he's the guy that this team's banking on for the future. So why not give him the reps now when he's healthy? And obviously, I know he's still injured, so he probably won't be able to play this Monday night. But it's just going into a game with with Nathan Peterman at quarterback. They, there can't be that much excitement surrounding it. Yeah, I don't think Bills fans would like that. But I think that coming into this game, as I'll talk with Ben, go more into depth with Ben when I ask him, like, why are the Bills? two and five and all that, and what do they need to do to get it better and turn their season around? Do you think it's too late for the Bills to, to turn their season around? Um, I would say so. I think just looking at the way the, uh, the division structured, obviously they're out of that, and there's so much depth in the middle of the AFC for teams competing for wild cards that I don't think um, they have a shot. Even if they're winning, there's just – They've just dug themselves too big a hole. And saying, even though I'm saying if they do win, I don't even think they have really necessarily the talent around them to win enough games to get into that situation. They do have the talent. Like, they got LaShawn McCoy. Kelvin Benjamin's good. But Kelvin Benjamin sometimes could suck. But I do think <laughs> looking at the Bills' schedule after the Patriots, it's going to get tougher. But the one hope is I hope that they beat the Jets. Because I hate the Jets and would like to see the Jets go down. Yes, yeah. And I think those interdivision matchups, whether it's catching Miami on some type of week or playing the Jets, are, are really Buffalo's best options to be winning a game the rest of the year. Because just looking at their schedule, how it shakes out, outside of their divisional games that they have left, they play the Jaguars, they play the Bears, um, they play the Lions. So all, all tough games in their own right. I think because with the way the division stand up, I want to see the Bills beat the Dolphins twice, but I could see the Bills and Jets splitting with the home team winning one of those games. Yeah, I think when you get to those three teams playing, I feel like it's always just a mess of teams just beating each other and and bringing them down in the standings, and it, it really creates some 
some parity at the at the bottom of that division. None of the teams really help each other. There, there's never that one team that separates themselves from the pack. And this year, the Dolphins have done it a little bit, but they've certainly regressed of late, being that they have allowed, looking at it, the most points in the NFL so far. Granted, they did play last night, so they're a week ahead of everybody, but the, the Dolphins' defense has let them down mightily the last few weeks. Yeah, they have, especially losing to the Texans. I think the Dolphins, I think, will still be alive in the playoff hunt because I think their offense will get them there, but their defense right now just sucks. Yes. Oh, totally. And I think it's you flip the script if you're the Bills, and I know they have, obviously, as we've said, much less chance of actually competing for anything, but their defense hasn't been too bad the last few weeks. I know they did give up 37 points to the Colts last week, but before that, they – they did play good defense in terms of forcing turnovers. And that's one key that I'd be looking at this week is seeing if they can force interceptions off Tom Brady or even off the receivers, because I know a lot of Brady's interceptions this year have come off the hands of Gronk or Hogan or someone like that. Yeah. I think uh, heading into this game on Monday night for the, for both teams, I think the bills have a bad offense, but I think the Patriots defense could really put a beating on the Bills' offense. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think the, the Patriots' defense must be uh, licking their chops coming into this game. I think uh, you got to find out. They got to find out. I think they'll stop LaShawn McCoy. I don't think they'll have trouble stopping him, even though he's very fast. I think I want to see double teams on Calvin Benjamin and Andre Holmes. Zay Jones, I think, will be covered by Eric Grove. He's playing on Monday night or and all that, but I do think that it's a good thing Sonny Michelle's not playing in that game because of his knee. It's going to also going to be a homecoming day for Rob Gronkowski, but I don't think the Bills will cover him. I don't think Tredavious White or uh, Micah Hyde will get to him. No, yeah, I think obviously the Patriots have a lot of a lot of weapons around them on offense all of a sudden, and the thing that I'm most interested in this week is the passing game because the Patriots have traditionally been a pass-first team with Tom Brady, and this year, they, they've flipped the script a little bit, especially at the beginning of the year when they didn't have much of a passing game uh, with Cordell Patterson and Philip Dorsett, and they had a bevy of running backs who they could hand the ball off to. But now you have so many receivers now that you almost don't even have the opportunity to give them all touches just about, and you lose Sonny Michelle for the week, who is probably the Patriots' best straight running running back so you leave James White as the starter in the backfield who's known for his pass catching so the Patriots are going to air the ball out uh, Monday night and I don't think the Bills will be able to keep up on offense or defense no I see that being a shutout victory for the Patriots but the Bills probably will put up at least one touchdown or one field goal yeah I could see that I think looking at I could see the Bills potentially forcing some type of interception in tight or something. Um, their, their linebacking core is good with young guys, Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, who's a, a BC alumni. Um, but maybe just being able to force some type of fluke turnover or fumble, setting them up for good field position to kick a field goal or potentially score a touchdown. But I don't think the you game said is Tremaine close. Edmonds is, is a Boston College alum? No, Matt Milano is the second guy. Matt Milano, the outside linebacker who was drafted last year? Yes, he's a Boston College alumni. Oh, I, I think the Bills, 
I think the weakness of their team right now, I think when Josh Allen's healthy, then their quarterback situation's all set. I think their weakness is their offensive line. Yes, yes. And with a young quarterback or even without a young quarterback, if you had Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson back there, those guys aren't going to be able to escape pressure and aren't able to make the quick reads. So with this type of quarterback situation they have, they need a good offensive line, and it, it has let them down thus far. That's why I I kind of predict the Buffalo Bills being one of the worst teams in the NFL, potentially that number one pick, but I do think Arizona Cardinals might end up with that number one pick like we talked about before, or the yeah. 49ers, but I don't – and if both one of these teams – has the number one pick in the draft. I don't see them getting the quarterback. I think whatever team needs they 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 want. I mean, for example, Buffalo say they want to move on from the LaShawn McCoy. You get a running back to build around Josh Allen. Yeah, no, absolutely. And just to throw another ring in the hat with teams competing for last place, the uh, the Oakland Raiders really seem to be going for it, trading Amari Cooper this past week, and now they've traded the only two All Pros that this team's had in the past fourteen years, and. They're leaving Derek Carr with nobody, and that situation doesn't look great as it is. So maybe they go for last place, trade Derek Carr to a better situation, and go after a quarterback early. I don't think so. I think Derek Carr is the future of the Oakland Raiders. I think Derek Carr loves Oakland, but I don't see the Raiders drafting a quarterback. I think John Gruden's going to work with Derek Carr on his mechanics, and I do believe that with the Raiders trading Amari Cooper, I do think that that saves up money for the Raiders heading into the offseason on if they if they want to spend all that money on a receiver to go with Derek Carr, like getting Jordy Nelson. I think Martavis Bryant could be that guy for Carr, yeah. or Seth Roberts, for example. No, absolutely. And I think Carr, if you – and if they mess this up, it's pretty tough to mess that up because you look at where these Raiders were a couple of years ago – Almost in the playoffs, if Derek Carr didn't go down with an injury, or they didn't make the playoffs, but he'd gone down with an injury the week prior and couldn't play in the playoff game. But this team had a ton of talent with him, Amari Cooper, Khalil Mack, and now it's just crumbled around them almost unnecessarily. I know you were talking about saving money, but in a sense, they they could have kept Amari Cooper. They could have kept Khalil Mack, but instead they, they just continue this mass exodus of talent and I, I do feel bad for Derek Carr because the, the situation's changed on him almost and it's on a dime. Oh, I, 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 I think I agree with that. But I also think for the Bills, I do think that this is going to be the last game that LaShawn McCoy suits up in the Buffalo Bills uniform because I do think he's going to get traded at the trade deadline. I do think the Eagles are going to make, make an aggressive pitch to bring him back. I could see that being a good fit. Like you said, him coming back and Eagles do need a running back and the Bills certainly don't need him at this point in the year. So might as well trade somebody off. Yeah, and I think trading LaShawn McCoy, I think Chris Ivory will be their starting running back going for the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. And if they do that, you have Chris Ivory for the rest of the year. And like you said, maybe they... Jones. Yeah, and then maybe they do end up drafting a, a running back high next year. I don't know. I don't believe there's a Saquon Barkley type in the draft, but there's still a chance you can get a quality running back in the draft, whether it be the first or the way they're trending early in the second round, too. I think uh, I I think Derek Carr's not. Go- I I meant sorry, Derek Anderson for the Bills might is not going to start for long because Josh Allen's going to come back at some point. 
I heard he's ruled out on uh, on Monday night. I do think it's Derek Anderson that's starting, even though he's dealing with an injury. So I don't know what Coach McDermott is even thinking. Yeah, I mean, if Anderson's healthy, maybe they do end up going with Nathan Peterman. But I know, given a small sample size, we have seen a, enough from Nathan Peterman to know what he's been like in his career. He's right now at three touchdowns and nine interceptions, and that's not where you really want to be at if you're a quarterback. Yeah, in his first couple of years, I mean, you know, the Bills, I think, made a mistake in trading Tyrod Taylor. Yes. Oh, totally. Um, Because when you look at it, he was one of the big changes this team made going into the year. And now looking back on it, it's hard to believe they were a playoff team last year. Yeah, now the Bills are going downhill easily. But, you know... For the rest of the for the rest of the games in the AFC uh, and the AFC East, looking at it, although Miami won won their lost their game, I do see the Chicago Bears steamrolling the Jets because I mean their defense is going to get to Sam Darnold. I know Mitchell Trubisky is going to have another big touchdown performance. Yes, yeah, even against the Patriots in the loss, he did perform pretty well, both with his legs and with his arm. Tariq Cohen out of the backfield was phenomenal as well. I think. Some of his weapons do turn it around in this game, and they're able to put up, A, a lot of points on the Jets, and maybe not allow too many points. Yeah, and uh, the Bears almost tied that game up if Kevin White just got into the end zone, but he was stopped at the one-yard line. Yeah, one yard short. And I think I think the, the Bears will, will end up going four and three, and I still think the a- NFC North still runs through the Vikings, or the, and I think the Bears and Packers will be definitely in the mix, but I think it's Green Bay's to lose. Yeah, I, I still like the Vikings. I've been high on them coming into the year. I love the weapons that Kirk Cousins has and finally having a Kirk Cousins caliber quarterback around them. I, I just think their defense could be the difference between them and Green Bay, um, but I think both of those teams will be able to end up with a playoff spot regardless. One may be a top two, three seed. The other one will be a wild card. Absolutely. I also think heading heading into the season, which teams I was excited about, um, I was excited about Oakland, but I kind of dropped them and I, and I replaced them with the Tennessee Titans along with the Detroit Lions and then the Houston Texans I kind of replaced that with because with Tennessee, I've always liked Mike Vrabel. I think Tennessee is – even though they uh, they almost uh, won against the Chargers, I think the Tennessee Titans will will uh, will come out of their bye week on a roll. Yeah, absolutely. I hope so. I know that's a pretty deflating way to to go into it, um, but they'll come back um, a week now, uh, Monday night against the Cowboys, or actually in two weeks. No, next week. Never mind. I'm all confused with what day it is, but. They will play the Cowboys Monday night before we travel there. So that could be – that would be an interesting matchup, all the former Patriots um, reuniting in Tennessee. I know. I can't wait for that game, by the way. I can't wait to do that podcast, that recording with you when we talk about when the Patriots take on the Titans, when it's all former Patriots. But the reason why – I before before the season began, I was excited about the Raiders, but now – the teams I'm excited about now is the Lions, the Texans, and the Titans. Yeah, absolutely. Those are all teams that I like, and I'm, I'm with you. I followed Oakland in the beginning of the year, but they've definitely fallen off. Teams I'm excited about, I'll just I'll try to pick one in each conference here. I got 
the Ravens coming out of the AFC North now. I know personally, like I'm not a fan of the Ravens or anything, but they've done surprisingly well. They have a good running back situation with Alex Collins and Buck Allen. Um, John Brown and Will Sneed have been great weapons for Joe Flacco. And the, the defense has been one of the best in the league thus far. And I know, as we've talked about before, it's not a team that if you're a Patriots fan, you want to play at any point, especially in the postseason, no matter what the records are going in. But I think Baltimore has surprised me coming into the year. And I think they have a shot at winning that division with all the, the chaos between Cincinnati and, and Pittsburgh going on. Uh, I think they got a legit shot. And then in the NFC, I'm with you on the Lions, uh, but to go on a different path, I'll pick the Panthers. They, they've done better than I expected out of them, the Falcons and the Saints. All three made the playoffs last year. I thought the Panthers would regress the most, um, but their offense has looked very good with Cam Newton and Christian McCaffrey, and I was pleasantly surprised by their, their comeback against the Eagles uh, last weekend, entering the fourth quarter down 17 nothing and coming back and winning 21-17. Uh, really showed a lot of a lot of grit on that team's part. I'm with you on on the Carolina Panthers. That's a team I'm excited about in the NFC. I don't see them winning the NFC South. They're making the playoffs for sure. I think the Carolina Panthers. I think they're turning into be one of those fun teams to watch when Cam Newton's healthy. The Panthers are rolling, but I do think the Panthers are built to be good for a long time. But I do think I was surprised that Carolina even. I was surprised that the Panthers, the Panthers uh, beat the Eagles coming from behind. I mean, you could tell they have a good defense with Luke Keekley. I mean, Panthers might want to make it to the playoffs and and make Thomas Davis's farewell to our sweet. Absolutely, and they they certainly have now the talent on both sides of the ball, and this is the best I've I think I've seen them since the year they made it to the Super Bowl. Obviously, I'm not. I don't want to compare them to that team. I think that team was head and shoulders above this team, but I think this is a quality team that, like you said, won't win the division necessarily, but I could see them finishing with the first wild card spot and depending on the draw, maybe upsetting the NFC's champion, whoever that ends up being, if they end up being the fourth seed. I think um the NFC looking at the NFC squads, I kinda do think I still have my pick in the NFC East being the Philadelphia Eagles. That's still they're still favored to win the division. Dallas, I think, is going to be in the running to win the division. The Redskins, if they keep that up, then they're the clear favorites. If they keep if they get a win streak going, yeah, definitely. The Cowboys are a team that I, I've really been disappointed in. I know they've they've done pretty well to start the year, but they have Dak and Zeke both on rookie contracts, and they haven't really done enough to put talent around them. And maybe the Samari Cooper trade changes it a little bit. I don't know necessarily how much I of think a difference it will. It I think the Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper trade for the Cowboys will really change the dynamic of the offense, but I still expect the Cowboys to use that run-first offense, but I think the Giants are just done. Yeah, absolutely. They're they're done, and and with the Cowboys, I think it, it can't hurt with the way their receiver-by-committee um, system has been going thus far, and Dak's got to love to have a a new weapon around him. I think Amari Cooper will help the team, but right now I guess I'll go with Washington um, to win the division at the moment. The Eagles, they're struggling with a mighty Super Bowl hangover, um, worse than some we've seen in a while, and I know they've been banged up to start the year, but 
just looking at Washington, Alex Smith, I feel like he's always the type of guy that no matter what team he's on, he can get you to 11 and five or 10 and six and give you a shot at making the playoffs. And they've been able to jump out to first place in the division without Alex Smith even playing his best. So if he's able to turn around, they, they can only be that much better. Yeah, I mean, say if the Redskins uh, – for sure the Redskins are going to beat the Giants. But I think the Redskins, if, if if Alex Smith can find a way to play at an MVP caliber, I do think the uh, Redskins are going to win the division clear cut if they keep – if the Redskins keep this up. Yeah, absolutely. They've, they've gotten out to a 4-3 and three start without Alex Smith playing his best. So if he can get back to being – even not even an MVP candidate, but just what he was with Kansas City the last few years. This team is one that's built to go eleven and five or something like that, and being pretty near a playoff spot if not in the playoffs. Because I think the Redskins won the Alex Smith trade sweepstakes with the Chiefs. I mean, Kansas City is known for their offense, but I think their deep, the Chiefs' defense is still solid. But I think for all the games this week, I think the Redskins find a way to get to get a good win streak going, even though they're four and two. I think I think the Redskins blow out the Giants, but I do think the Redskins are gonna start playing a lot better, even though they don't play well on like Monday night and all that. So Yeah, no, absolutely. I can I can see them rattling rattling off a few wins. Like you said, they got the Giants, they got the Bucks and they draw Falcons and Texans at home. So so certainly some winnable games and then it just for them, it all will come down to the end of the year, just with the divisional games. It looks like four of their final six are against division opponents, and that's probably when the NFC East is going to be decided with how bunched up at least the top three are. The Giants look like they're done, but but I but I think Eli Manning is still their quarterback for at least a couple more years. Yeah, I mean, I was watching the game with some of my friends against the Falcons on Monday night, and yeah, people are getting on Eli's back and. I know he draws criticism around here just because he was the team that beat us in the Super Bowl twice, but he really, you can't blame him too much when the offensive line is giving him no time to work with. Um, oh, absolutely not. You can't, Eli Manning is not the person to blame for the Giants' losses. Even though they're 1-6, it's not Eli Manning's fault. The offensive line just needs to play better and needs to block better. Yeah, and especially from that left side with Nate Solder. They, they're paying him $70 million a year now coming from the Patriots, and he has struggled mightily. Oh, yeah. I, I thought Nate Solder would be that guy that would help help out that Giants offensive line get better, but, looks, but this Giants offensive line has been a mess again. Yeah, exactly. And it's sad, too, because outside of Eli, even if he's just okay, if he's not the – one of the top quarterbacks in the league, you still have potentially the best running back in the league, depending on your view of Saquon Barkley. And you have a head case, but an uber-talented wide receiver in Odell Beckham. So there's certainly talent if the offensive line bails them out and allows them to get good running room and give you time to throw the ball. Yeah, I think speaking of which, when I come for one of the games I'm looking forward to seeing on Sunday – is when the Seahawks play the Lions. I'm actually picking the Lions to upset the Seahawks because I think the Lions' run game can outrun the Seahawks' run game. I mean, Carryon Johnson's gonna have a big game on Sunday. Yeah, Carryon Johnson. Pick. Yeah, Carryon Johnson was phenomenal having his breakout game last week. 
Um, the Lions, as we've talked about, have looked much better of late. Um, and Seattle isn't the Legion of Boom on defense anymore. So you could see Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones getting some good touches as well. A game that I'm looking forward to this week is I'm just scrolling down. I'll go with the Broncos at Kansas City. Um, Really want to see what the Broncos are made of. You know what you're getting from Kansas City, a high-powered offense, but Denver does have a quality defense, so we'll see their ability to to slow them down. Denver hung with the Rams a few weeks ago and only lost to Kansas City by four earlier in the season. So the Broncos, I want to see what they can get out of Case Keenum um, because he's been kind of disappointing um, for what you were expecting from him. He He's been okay, but certainly not what the Broncos were hoping to get out of him. And let's see if he can have a good game against a Chiefs defense that can give up points at times. Okay, I, what I meant to say was here, my my upset pick is the Lions over the Seahawks and my locks are the Redskins over the Giants and then the Arizona Cardinals over the 49ers. Oh, okay, I got you, I got you. So I'll go with my locks are the Bears over the Jets and – Bengals over the Bucks and an upset. I will go with the Ravens over the Panthers in Carolina. I think it's a bad matchup for the Panthers with the Ravens' good defense, and the Ravens have been playing really well of late. I think they'll be able to shut down Cam Newton and potentially force him to have one of his poorer games of the season. Yeah, I think I I could agree with that, but I I I in, in the. AFC East, I have the, the Bears as my lock to beating the New York Jets. I mean, you know, I think the, the Jets, when they win, they get lucky. But those wins aren't meant if the Jets win games. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, they, they've they just been struggling. And a bit with the injury bug, too, doesn't help. Uh, I believe one of their running backs is out now for the season. Well, I and, might retire, I heard. Yeah, it may be a career-ending injury, too. So, it, the injury bug's biting them, and it just seems like it, every week it's been something new, and it, they've struggled, and it's disappointing after such a good opening week performance for them against the Lions how much the tables have turned for those two teams. Yeah, it's been it's been disappointing for the Jets, but they're going downhill. Their schedule's going to get so hard, so they're not going to be able to keep up with the Patriots in the AFC East for sure. No, absolutely. I think if you're looking at one team – up until last night, maybe Miami could have broke the curse of divisional teams. Not not to defeat us and dethrone us, but to at least make a playoff spot. But I think outside of the Patriots, the AFC East has been pretty much mathematically eliminated from putting a second team in the playoffs this year. Just yeah. with the performance of the other three teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I say so because I think, I think the, uh, AFC, the rest of the AFC East is eliminated from the playoffs, but... I do think they have quarterbacks in the future. They have found that. All three of those teams have. But, I mean, Ryan Tannehill looked good when he's healthy, but he didn't even play the last game against the Texans. I think the Dolphins are just trying to play it safe with him. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they put Brock Osweiler in last night and the week before, and he looked very good against uh, the Bears in his first start three weeks ago. But last night, just the little bit I saw of him was – not great. He threw the two passes I saw by him, one that should have been intercepted, one that um, just missed the target. 
And then that crazy play, he just let his receiver on to get pounded and let the ball go up in the air. And luckily for the Dolphins, they came down with it. But who knows? Maybe they go with Danny Amendola. He had one pass for 28 yards and a touchdown yesterday. So I think heading into this game when the Patriots play the Bills, I don't see Calvin Benjamin having a good game just because when it comes to high situations, when it comes to like down to the wire, he can't hold on to the ball. I know he's a talented receiver, but he's got to hold up. He's got to hold on to the ball and make those wide open catches. Yeah, and he's at his best when he when he is able to hold on to the ball because he, he does have a good physical profile. He's got speed. I remember he had a good game against the Patriots last season, and, and he was a quality player with the Panthers. So it it's disappointing, too, to see how far he's fallen off a little bit and been a disappointment to this point in the season. But with the Pats versus the Bills this week, it I think it's the type of game where you could see Brian Hoyer in the fourth quarter. Maybe, but I don't know when, though. We have to wait. I think Tom Brady will put up 50 points for this Patriots offense. If it's the 59 nothing, then you get Brian Hoyer in there. Yeah, oh, yeah. And I might even go a little sooner if you're, if you're the Patriots at that point. But, yeah, definitely if it's 59 to nothing. Because you don't, I don't want to put Hoyer in when, it's in when we're in the 30s because you never know if the Bills can come back and get the game tied up to 30. That's why I want to put more points up so that whenever the, if you call if, if the game's on if the game's already in the bag by the fourth quarter, then you then you could start putting in Brian Hoyer. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think this game comes at a good time for the Patriots because while their defense has improved um, from the start of the season at least, they have struggled the last few weeks keeping points off the board with the Bears and with Kansas City. And even with the Colts on thir- the Thursday night before that. So it is a good matchup for the Patriots to get some defensive reps in and force turnovers, play good coverage, pressure the quarterback, and really get ready for their final stretch of the season, which includes Green Bay and Tennessee and Minnesota and Pittsburgh. So certainly some interesting games the rest of the calendar for the Patriots. I think it's going to be an easier road for the Patriots after this game. I think the only tough team to teams they're going to be playing is the Steelers and the Packers. I think Tennessee coming out of their bye week, I expect them to be be one of those teams that will be competing for the AFC South, but I still have the Tennessee Titans or the Houston Texans as my picks to win the uh, AFC South instead of Jacksonville this year. Yeah, definitely. In, I, my pick was Jacksonville, but now it's for me it's between Houston and Tennessee. Yeah, and as much as I'd like to pick Tennessee right now I'm going to give the edge to Houston just uh with the way Deshaun Watson has been playing with when healthy and I think Marcus Mariota could get to that level but at this point he hasn't shown that that type of those type of performances and hasn't totally lived up to his um hype coming in as a number two pick I do think Marcus Mariota I like Marcus Mariota I'm a huge Marcus Mariota fan ever since he uh, came out of Oregon I do think he is the future and the face of the Tennessee Titans franchise at quarterback. I think he's like the next Steve McNair on the Titans, but I I know he's young and all that, but I just think there's things I think he needs to work on. So he needs to be accurate throwing the football. I know he can run, but he's just gotta he's just gotta get the ball the ball out of his hands quickly. And yes. he's gotta he's just gotta show it. I know he has it but he's just got to show it. I mean, I love Mariota, to be honest. I think the Tennessee Titans have a talented football team this year. I know they're 3-4. and four. I do think they're going to start 
winning games, but I think their only loss will come to the Patriots. I think that 9-1 and one stretch that the Titans have will be enough for them to win a division, but I do think it's, it's still a coin flip for me on who wins the AFC South. It's, for me, it's between Tennessee and Houston because of two former New England Patriot coaches. But yes. I, just, I just don't want to say yet who has the edge between those two teams. No, absolutely. And I think a game to circle on your calendar is when they face in Houston on, uh, what is it, November 26th, it looks like. I don't know what day of the week that is, but it's a night game. So it may be the Monday night football game. And that, that'll be an interesting one that could really set the stage and differentiate the two teams coming into the final month of the year in December. Oh, of course. I mean, if you look at when the t- t- Titans play the Texans again, I think that's a game I'd love to watch for sure. But I do think, uh, yeah, that that's a November 26th. That's a Monday night game. I for sure want to watch that game because those are two former Patriot coaches I love. I, I love Bill O'Brien. I love Coach Rival. I love Co- Coach Cornell. I like Malcolm Butler, Deion Lewis. I think those guys are by far my favorite players on the Titans. But – if, but I go with two, one offense, one defense for the Titans. My favorite is Mariota. And then defensively, I like Kevin Bayard. Yeah, yeah. There's certainly a lot to like on the Titans from a Patriots perspective, um, former players down there. I love Deion Lewis, too. Uh, and from a defensive perspective, I know I mentioned this last week, but I like Harold Landry just because he went to BC and I got to see him play here last season, which was a nice treat. Um, and so – Bayard well in the pros I there is a reason why I like Kevin Bayard on the Titans I think he's a guy that is has a ton of potential he's a guy that's definitely going to be a great safety knows how to cover people for a short dude I think Logan Logan Ryan is by far one of my other favorites on that team too because I think Logan Logan Ryan when he was a patriot he was awesome um Adore Jackson's not bad at all but I just, I'm just a fan of the defensive backs on the Titans. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you saw what this combo of cornerbacks could do in New England. And Kevin Byer, too, I agree with you. He, he's an interception machine. I think he was tied for the league lead in interceptions last season with around eight, potentially. I don't know what he's done this season, but he, he's certainly a great coverage safety. Yeah, I think that – I think um, – I think – I'm looking forward to when the Patriots play the Tennessee Titans because Tennessee, I think Mike Vrabel has done a phenomenal job in turning around this Tennessee Titan team, but they still got a lot of work to do. I think they still got to improve offensively. You said Mariota hasn't lived up to the hype yet. I do think he'll start picking it up and playing a lot better down the stretch, but when healthy, Mariota is really good. Yeah, absolutely. And I I loved Vrabel when he was here and, I think he's done a good job building this team. It, it's just you, you've seen the growing pains of, of a young team, um, but a team that certainly has the talent and just needs to gel and, and kind of put it all together, and they, they could be a dangerous team if that happens. They can, but right now Houston right now is doing really well. But I think Tennessee is going to keep up that pace, but I think Houston has the edge at this point. But I think the Tennessee Titans will have to battle with Baltimore and Cincinnati for that five and six spot, but I think Tennessee's going to end up getting out of it at the last minute. Yeah, no, I, I'd like to see it. I'd like to see them in a playoff game, see what they can do in that type of uh, environment. Yeah, that's why I, I think, because uh, with Houston, what you get is if 
Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt are healthy, they're good. But I feel like the Texans are putting way too much pressure on J.J. Watt and Deshaun Watson. Yes. Oh, totally, totally. And now Will Fuller's out for the year with a torn ACL, so that hurts them even more offensively. Lamar Miller had a great game last night, but it could just be DeAndre Hopkins offensively. Um, you said Will Fuller's see. out for the year? I believe so. No, he's not. Oh, he's not out for the year. Yeah, because I'm looking at the roster. He's active. But I say uh, I like DeAndre Hopkins on the Texans, aside from Deshaun Watson. DeAndre Hopkins is a good receiver that can catch. But I think I'm not really a fan of their running backs. I'm not really that big of a Lamar Miller kind of guy. I think Houston's better could be better with a better running back to help Deshaun Watson out. I see them drafting one. But I think DeAndre Hopkins is the guy that I think Deshaun Watson can go to. Yeah, I agree. They they certainly have a lot of talent um, around Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. I think they got to work on that. Uh, I think uh, I think um, heading into uh, this week, I think the teams that we're looking forward to, I think the Lions, I think, will win. Okay. And then the Tennessee Titans are by. So I think they're going to stop and get Mariota right. Sounds good. Yeah, sorry, what was that? That's what I was saying. I was saying that they, the Titans should use that bye week to get Mariota right. I think Jacksonville's going downhill, but I, you never know. Jacksonville could be a team that still is in this race for the, for the yeah. AFC South. I mean, we'll see what they do. I know we talked about the Raiders maybe not being likely to trade Derek Carr, but if they did, who knows? Maybe Jacksonville's a, a possibility because they seem to be a pretty talented team everywhere but a quarterback at the moment. I still, I still believe in Blake Bortles. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish him well. I, I, I think the ship has sailed on him living up to his full hype, but I think he still has a shot. And with the team he has around him, he just needs to be good enough. I think he's good enough. But I think if you get Marquise Lee healthy, then I think the Jaguars are a complete offensive team. Without mm. Marquise Lee, they're nowhere. Yeah, absolutely, and and Leonard Fournette too. Yeah, Fournette, they got to get him back at some point. I mean, if you get him back at the right time, then Jacksonville could definitely get up, get back to winning. Yeah, they definitely just need um, they need uh, him to get back, and they just need to get healthy on offense. They the defense has been there. The Jaguars beat the since they beat the Patriots back in week two. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think. Um, I also think uh, heading into to, heading into this week, I think the Patriots will continue to pad on to the AFC East lead because with Miami losing, I see Miami going on a losing streak now. Yes, absolutely. I can see them um, faltering too. And I, like we said earlier, I don't think any of these other AFC East teams make the playoffs. I think Miami had a chance to get back on track. Another last game night. I'm looking forward to this week is seeing the L.A. Rams take on the Green Bay Packers. I think that's going to be a dandy. Oh, yeah, because aren't you going to be there? Uh, I'm not going because of the Dodgers. There's going to be a potential Game 5 of the World Series, and I don't want to be stuck in traffic. L.A. traffic might be crazy that that Sunday. I got you. I got you. I'm going to have to pull double duty tonight because um, B.C. has a Friday night football game, so I'm going to have to flip back and forth between that and, uh, and the Red Sox. That's why I'm going to stay home on Sunday to watch that game and the the Rams 
and then see the Dodgers after. I think the Rams are going to beat Green Bay easily 8-0. But Green Bay might have a trick up their sleeve. Yeah, absolutely. If they could – if if Aaron Rodgers could could steamroll the the Rams defense. Yeah, or or not even steamroll them, but Rodgers has proven he has a reputation as a guy who can come back late in games, so – Potentially, if the Packers are down, they're, they're not a team to be counted out. And, I mean, I do think the Rams do end up winning the game, but I can see the Packers giving them a challenge. Yeah, it's going to be a challenge, I think, that, for that game I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. I, I've, I've always liked Jared Goff. But on the reason mm. why the Rams are my second favorite team in the NFL is because, first of all, since they moved to L.A., I thought they were going to build a talented football team here in L.A. But, and I've also been a fan of Todd Gurley, always. Yes, yeah, and he's proving to be arguably the top player in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, he's a guy that is built around the is the, he's the engine of the Rams offense. Say, like, if it's an overtime situation, you want to win the game on one drive, just hand the ball off to Todd Gurley, and then he'll win you the game. Yeah, absolutely, and it's so great to have a weapon like that. I think the Rams have a challenging schedule coming up, but like we talked about, I think their first loss of the year will be in New Orleans. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, they definitely got to find a game to fall somewhere, and New Orleans has the offense to hang with them, and especially being at the Superdome. Uh, as we mentioned, I think, last week, that's always a tough place to play. Yeah, so I think um, now, before we end this, uh, talk about your world, what's your outcome of the World Series, what are your keys tonight for the, for, for the Red Sox today? and then we'll head into the Patriots-Bills game as well. So for me with the Red Sox, um, like I said, coming into the series, I said Red Sox in six. I think it will go five or six games now, but I think the Red Sox do come out with the win. I would like to see it six games just to have it be an interesting series, get back to Boston, and David Price would presumably be pitching game six, and with the way he's pitched lately, I'd love to see him. What a story it would be from a Red Sox perspective to see him come in and get the decisive win but for me the big key for them is just to keep doing what they've been doing and I know that doesn't sound like much but their bullpen has exceeded expectations as we've mentioned the two out hitting has been so key for them that that those are their bread and butter and I think they do find other ways to win even if that does dry up but that could be the one thing that prevents them from winning at the pace that they're winning at right now and scoring runs is if their two-out hitting comes to an end. And it's just something you don't see every day. And the Red Sox have been able to keep it up all postseason. And just as long as they're able to maintain not even that pace, but a pace similar to that. And from the Dodgers, a key to get back in the series would just be if you're – they need good starts out of Walker Bueller and Rich Hill. They need deep starts. They need quality starts, um, and there's no other way around that. Absolutely. For me, I, I say the Dodgers win tonight. They're going to get a big win tonight. Walker Buehler is going to pitch at least seven to eight innings tonight for Mikey. I think my key for the game tonight for the Dodgers is I want them to score first, and since, and since we're at home, which I believe we're going to win today at home, put a zero on the first inning. I think Walker Buehler is going to get a one, two, three inning to begin the game, and I think we're going to get to Rick Porcello, wear out that bullpen, and the momentum will be back on the Dodgers' favor. Now, now that being said, uh, what do you what do you want the Patriots to accomplish on Monday night? 
Um, defensively, I want to see them get back on track, as I alluded to a little earlier. And offensively, I want to see what they can do throwing the ball a little more. And a guy that I want to see is Kenyon Barner, incorporating him into the offense, especially with Sonny Michelle's injury for this week and presumably the next couple weeks. He's going to be the RB2 behind James White at the moment and arguably their only true running running back where White is more of a pass catcher. So I want to see him get involved and make his presence felt with the Patriots because I do think he can be a good pickup, not just in the return game, but as a running back as well. So he's a guy that I'm looking forward to seeing. Not too many keys other than that. Just just play your game and, and you should win by 20, 30, a good margin. Oh, absolutely. Oh, of course. I mean, what I want to see, what I want to see from the Patriots is just get that offense going, improve defensively with a bad offense of the Bills. Don't let them score more than twenty points for the Bills. Be, for the for the for the Bills because the Patriots know heading into this game they gotta play they gotta play their best game defensively so that they could be ready defensively against the good teams coming up. Yes, absolutely. All right, so uh, I'll uh, talk to you next week about what happens in the World Series, and then we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk next week about the Patriots-Bills game and then talk about when the Patriots play the Green Bay Packers. Sounds good, and good luck to your, your team in L.A. this weekend.